All right. Um, this morning we're gonna uh, we're gonna I'm gonna have you guys define something at your table. So I want to have a uh, you guys sort of uh, discuss a couple of questions here at the beginning. Um, we're gonna go through several questions here at the beginning for you. Uh, first question is, how would you define risk? And secondly, tell the story of what's the riskiest thing you've ever done. Okay, in your life, all right? Uh, so go ahead and show that at your tables, and uh, we'll see what you come up with. thing you've ever done? How many of you guys have ever skydived? Any skydivers in here? One. Cooper, you skydived? Skydove, skydived, whatever. So what was it like? Did you feel like you are going to have a heart attack? No? You just feel nothing? Wow. Anybody ever bungee jumped? I can raise my hand on that one. Only a couple of us. Um, Anyone ever, uh, let's see what else, what, what else have you done that's risky? Yes. You stayed, stayed in Florida during a hurricane? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, the Webbers a couple of years ago, I think the Hagens too, decided to stay uh, in South Padre during a hurricane, um, which that's really smart uh, to do. Um I just took it as, like, what do you guys have, like, 11 kids among the two families? So, like, four on you and seven on your, your side. So I think dads are trying to get rid of some of you guys or something. I don't know. Um, too many kids. Uh, but there's, there's plenty of, uh, of videos you can see on just people doing crazy. So I have a video I want to show you this morning um, from YouTube. This is uh, No Risk, No Fun. So watch this. Yeah. 
I'm not sure I do anything in that video, uh, except that last. That was pretty cool. That was pretty simple. Um, worst thing is probably a scrape knee or something like that. Uh, but here's another discussion question for you. Why do people do risky things? Go ahead and discuss for a couple seconds. All right, give me some feedback. Why, why do people do risky things? Why do they do this kind of risky behavior? What do you think? It's fun. Obviously, it's fun. They wouldn't do it. But is, is there a way to have fun and not risk your life? No. So you guys don't have any fun ever. Because you, you don't risk your lives, do you, when you have fun? So, so the only way to have fun is to risk your life. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Um... So why else would they do this? Why else would they put their life in danger to have fun? Okay, bored? That's what I'm asking you. (laughs) That's what I'm asking you guys. Attention? Okay. Um, How many of you guys have done something for the sole purpose of this will make a great story? Like, that's the only reason we're doing it. It's just, when we tell people about this will be a really cool story to tell eventually, right? You've done that before. You know you have. Um, there's no secret that, that teenagers like risk. You like risk. Uh, all the things that your parents say don't do because you could die, those, those are the things that you guys are like, well, I want to try it anyway, right? Um, in fact, uh, you've probably never gotten a phone call from one of your friends. Uh, they never called you and said, hey, let's come over on on Friday night, let's play it safe, right? That probably never happens uh, when you guys get together. Um, chances are it's like, hey, come over so we can burn something, you know, set something on fire. Um, here's the definition of risk. Risk is any action that exposes you to the possibility of loss or injury. Risk is any action that exposes you to the possibility of loss or injury. You see, here's the deal. Risk, risk is possible because you don't know how things are going to turn out. All right? If you know how something's going to turn out, then there's no risk involved. Right? Risk is only possible whenever you don't know the outcome of a certain situation. Another question uh, for you to think about, I won't have you discuss this at your tables, but is it possible to take risks for God but still do it for the wrong reasons? And if so, how? We're going to answer that question as we go through uh, this morning. Because here's the deal. So, so many people that you saw up on that screen um, are risking for one reason, and it's for their own glory. It's so that they can tell a story, so they can say, hey, look what I did. So they can get put on YouTube and have us look at them as heroes, right? And, and so we so often take a risk for our own glory, but we're so, we're so hesitant to risk something for God's glory. And to bring glory to God. In fact, that's, that's oftentimes the thing that we're, we're scared to risk the most. Because that will cost us our reputation. It will cost us friends. It will cost us many things we don't want to give up at this point in your life. Um, in the Bible, we see many people who took great risk. One of those people was, of course, Paul. In 1 Corinthians, turn there if you have your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, he, he writes a, a, a detailed account of all that has happened to him as a follower of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 24 to 28. 
And Paul says in verse 24, he says, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one, which equals what? Thirty-nine? Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Jesus Christ received that one time. And the Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition. Paul received it five times. Just to try to picture Paul, how scarred he was, how disfigured he was, after taking a beating like this for five different times. Happened to Christ one time, almost killed him. Happened to Paul five times, he lived through it. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Anybody here been beaten with a rod before? I'm calling CPS. Jeez. Oh, well, that doesn't account then, I guess. Uh, three times beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Stephen was stoned one time in Acts. He was killed. One time he was stoned. That means people not just taking like little pebbles and being like, you know, Paul, you're, this is not stoning, okay? This Stoning is like massive rocks the size of your head being thrown at you as you get pummeled most of the time to your death. Three times, beaten with rods, once I was stoned, and he doesn't mean like pot or marijuana, he means rocks were thrown at him. Uh, Three times I was shipwrecked. That means he was on a ship in the Mediterranean possibly, and a big storm came up, broke the ship apart, it sunk, and someone came along to rescue them. Three times. I'm sorry, but if that happens one time, I'm not going back again, right? That's not going to happen. Um, three times shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. That means one of the shipwrecks was so bad that no one was there close by to rescue them. So there was a, a piece of driftwood that he probably grabbed onto, and he, was, he stayed on the sea for an entire day and an entire night, wondering if he would be rescued by someone. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country. Most people today say, you know, don't go to that part of town, right? It's a bad part of town. There was no bad part of town for Paul. It was all bad. It was the country, the city. Wherever he went, there was danger lurking behind, uh, lurking in the shadows. In danger from Gentiles, in danger from, from, in the city, country, in danger at at the sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked, not a good combination. Um, So Paul has had all these bad things happen to him, okay? Paul's had these horrible things happen to him. And if this happened to us, if we were spreading the gospel... And these things were happening to us. We would say, okay, this is not obviously God's will for my life, right? This is, this is not working out. God must have some other plan because I'm meeting too much resistance. I've been shipwrecked. I've been stoned. I've been, you know, beaten up with rods. I've been beaten with a whip. We would probably say, you know what, God? Okay, this, this must not be, this must be a sign. This must not be your will for my life, Right? But what you see with Paul is he pushes through this suffering. He pushes through 
what he's experiencing because he knows that nothing about God's will is easy. He knows that nothing about God's sovereign will is supposed to be a cakewalk. And what really blows me away is, is verse 28 here at the end because he says, Besides everything else, he's given us this laundry list of stuff that's happened to him. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. If these things happen to me, the last concern I would have is for the church. I mean, I love you guys and everything, but I'm sorry, if I'm being beaten with rods, I'm sorry, you'd be my last concern, okay? But Paul is, is saying here this at the end in verse 28, he's saying that my, my greatest concern is for the church. Paul's greatest concern was not his comfort, but the body of Christ. He had gone along planted churches in many places, and, and he loved these people. He, he loved ministering to them and spreading the gospel with them. And in spite of the fact that he was undergoing great suffering, his greatest concern was the body of Christ. You see, you see, Paul lived in this world that was rugged, it was raw, it was a very risky place to be in. I mean, just going to the store was like a, an issue, right? You can get robbed by somebody. I mean, it's a big deal. Um, you, you never knew where something was going to come out from behind the shadows and try to kill you, take your money, whatever you have on your back, and, 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 and make off with it. He lived in a very risky, raw, rugged kind of culture, right? Um, unlike what you and I live in today, of course, there's always stabbings at Walmart, the occasional stabbing at Walmart, uh, which did happen, I guess, this past week. But, um, but for the most part, we live in a pretty safe uh, sanitized culture, right? Um, in fact, an example of that is uh, we have figured out with technology how to protect life, and therefore our life expectancy is like 72-something years. Uh, back in Paul's day, it was much less than that. Um, but in our culture today, if you're in your car driving somewhere and um, you have a wreck, there are big balloons that come out of your steering wheel and passenger side and side airbag, side airbag over here is like a rear airbag probably somewhere. Um, I mean, your car turns into an inflatable fun land, like when you get hit, right? And which sounds like a lot of fun. I actually want to try this out on my car that has these features. Um, but you, you have these we have, we have these ways with technology of, of protecting life and, and keeping you from from being injured in some way or losing your life. In Paul's day, this was not the case. This was rugged. It was raw. It was risky. Everything around you was dangerous. Um, recently, uh, uh, my wife and I went to a, on a mission trip to Rwanda. And if you go to Rwanda on a mission trip, you have to fly through Nairobi, which is a, um, a so I've heard, a really unsafe town, especially at nighttime. So we're leaving the airport in this big van, going to our hotel. And uh, as we're driving along, um, we see this, these cars stopped up ahead on the airport road, and they're blocking the road. And so we, our driver pulls right behind these two cars, and next thing we know, these guys up ahead in this white van jump out, ten of them, and they all have guns. And so at this point, I'm like, where's my money, you know? I'm like, just, just take it, just take it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't care, just take it. My money belt's like hidden like underneath my... Uh, my, my shirt, you know, and I'm like, if they want money, I'll just give them all I have, you know, I don't know what the deal is. So, um, 
These guys jump out with guns, and they are circling the cars in front of us, and we think they're coming back to our car next to try to either carjack us or take our money or something. And uh, they're searching around, and they're running around. They pull this guy out of a car in front of us onto the road and stick their knee in his ear and put a gun to his head. And I'm sitting there. My heart is beating out of my chest. I mean, it is, I can see it. It's like, I'm like, this is crazy, okay? And, uh, and so um, about 30 seconds where everything seemed like slow motion, right? And you literally felt like your life's about to end. I was terrified. And so um, they get this guy out of the car. They put him on the ground. And they throw handcuffs on this guy. And I'm like, wait, what's going on here? And it turned out that these guys were like undercover cops. And uh, I guess if cops carry gold guns, um, then they were undercover cops. But, uh, but they were arresting a guy for probably drug trafficking, but we didn't know this at the time. So all we knew at that time was that our life was about to end, okay? So they wave us through. We go on through unscathed. And, uh, but after that experience... Um, if someone said to me, do you want to go back to Africa on a mischief? I would say, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. But what I've noticed about myself is that the older I get and the older that you will get, you'll realize that um, the desire for risk starts to lessen. You'll start to think to yourself, look, i got kids, i got a wife. Uh, I don't want to risk things. I don't want to risk things. And looking at these passages convicted me because I see how Paul took great risk for the gospel and how Christ Christ lived out in suffering for us. In fact, Jesus promised his disciples uh, that they would have to risk great things to follow him. And so in Luke uh, chapter 21, go ahead and turn there, uh, Luke 21 verses uh, 16 to 19. Christ is talking to his disciples And he says in verse 16, he says, You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. And they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. So Jesus is telling his disciples, This is what's going to happen to you When you start to follow me, you'll be betrayed by the people that are closest to you. Some of you will even die for your faith. Whenever you're suffering in our culture, people will say things like, well, at least you have your family. At least you have your health. And and Jesus is going, no, you, you won't have your family. You won't have your health. You guys will lose your life, possibly. You'll be betrayed by the people that are closest to you. Not just friends at school, but the people that are closest to you. Here's your next question for you to discuss. Jesus says, they will put some of you to death. But he also says, not a hair of your head will perish. Okay? I want you to discuss that for a few moments. How can both of those statements be true? Go ahead and discuss. Okay, I heard one of the guys uh, up here in the front say um, that 
Maybe it means you're not going to ever go bald. You might die, but you're going to keep your hair. Look at the bright side, you know. Um, I'm not sure that's what he's saying, but how can both statements be true? Some of you might die, but not a, not a, a hair of your head will perish, right? Well, if you look at uh, the next passage, Romans chapter 8. Go ahead and turn there. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. Um, Paul expounds on this idea how both these statements can be true at the same time. Turn to Romans 8, verse 35. And here Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness? Why is Paul always naked? I just wonder about that. Or danger? Or danger or sword? As it is written... For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that God's love does not eliminate risk. In fact, following Christ brings about risk. Following Christ causes risk to happen in your life. God's love does not eliminate the possibility for risk. In fact, it increases the chance for it. And so whenever you're going through a trial, whatever the trial might be, What's the thing that you doubt the most? You doubt the love of God, right? You doubt, how can God be good? People always ask the question, how can God be good and let bad things happen? Whenever you're going through a trial, the thing that you doubt the most is God's love for you. And what Paul is trying to say to you is that no matter what happens to you physically in this world, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. That whatever bad happens to you in this life, especially for your faith, as you take risks for Christ, whatever happens to you in this life, that is not an indication of God's lack of love for you. In fact, it's the opposite. It's God's way of showing you that He loves you because the Bible says that God disciplines those who He loves. And so God's love does not eliminate risk. It actually increases the chance for it to happen. Following Christ brings about risk. You you see, here's the deal. The Christian life is one of the most risky lives you can possibly live. Now, I know that sounds weird to say, especially in our central Texas Bible Belt culture, because most of you see the Christian life as the safest life you can live, the most safe, sanitized life. what my parents want. That's what they want me to do, so it's the safest life I can live. When you look at Scripture, living a Christian life, following after Christ, is the riskiest life you can live. But here's the deal. The greater the risk, the greater the joy. Because when I look around at teenager Christians, I see a lot of bored Christians. And the chances are you've got this Christian life thing all wrong as far as what it's about. Because you see it as a safe, sanitized life. 
And if you look at Scripture, you see that it is the riskiest life you possibly can live. You show me a bored Christian, and I'll show you somebody who never risks anything for the gospel. You see, this, this idea of safety um, is a myth for us. We have this, uh, this idea that we can live this really safe, sanitized life, and, and in many ways, safety is a myth, right? I mean, there's no way you can manage risk out of your life. You can have airbags, you can have, take all the precautions, but you cannot manage risk out of your life. You see, the churchy culture that you and I live in says, come to Jesus so he can give you a good, safe life. But Jesus says, come to me so I can show you how to risk the right things for the right reasons. And recently I was, uh, I was talking to someone and as, as we parted ways, I said the phrase, hey, uh, take care. And I thought about that phrase, I was like, take care. Where does that come from? Why do we say take care to somebody? If you really break it down, like, what does that really mean? It means, like, okay, use caution. It means be safe. Don't take any risks today. Like, where do these phrases come from? But behind that statement, there's this understanding that, hey, be safe. Use caution. Don't take any risks. Live a safe life. And the reality is we cannot manage risk out of our life. We can't do it. John Piper says this, Risk is woven into the fabric of our lives. We cannot avoid risk, even if we want to. Ignorance and uncertainty about tomorrow is our native air. All of our plans for tomorrow's activities can be shattered by a thousand unknowns, whether we stay at home under the covers or ride the freeways. One of my aims is to explode the myth of safety and to somehow deliver you from the enchantment of security, because it's a mirage. It doesn't exist. Every direction you turn, there are unknowns and things beyond your control. Great risk requires great faith. You see, whenever you risk things for Christ, it's, it requires stepping out in faith and, and not knowing the outcome. It requires, it requires great faith to step out in that way. You see, when, when you love your life more than you love God, you won't risk anything. But when you love God more than you love your life, you'll be willing to risk everything for the gospel. There are really two choices that you have um, as a teenager, and that is you can risk for the gospel or you can waste your life. You have those two alternatives. You can take risks for Christ, or you can waste your life. As I think about uh, just this coming school year, you guys are going to step into um, a place tomorrow called school. Maybe you're pumped about it. Uh, I'm excited for you, because I think God's going to give you guys plenty of opportunity this year to take risk for Christ this year. And you know what those things are. You know what those places are. And I'm talking about God's going to open up opportunity for you to show compassion to people that need to see compassion. I think God's calling some of you upperclassmen to be small group leaders this year and to pour your life into someone else's life that's younger than you. That's going to be a risk. God's going to call some of you guys to, um, to invite, do the hard work of inviting someone uh, to an outreach event that we're putting on here at the church. Because it might be through your invitation and through you taking that risk that someone else comes to know Christ. 
I think God's going to ask you guys to risk great things this year. As you walk throughout your schools, as you walk throughout your hallways, as you have friendship with people that, that don't know Christ. Because I'm telling you guys, if anyone's going to change the school that you go to, it's going to be you. It's going to be Christ working in you. Christ working through you. It's not going to be me. It's going to be you. And my prayer for you guys is that you would, as we promote events, like believe me, we don't do fun events just to do fun events. We want to have fun together, but the point of those events is for you to be able to invite friends and introduce them to Christ, but also introduce them to the church. And that you guys would sort of share that Share that mission, share that vision. You'd risk great things for Christ this year as you go throughout your schools. That's my prayer for you. I'll pray for you right now. God, thank you so much for um, being a God that does not want us to play it safe, being a God who does not want us to uh, sit back and just let the game come to us, God. But you want us to go out there. You want us to make disciples. You want us to risk our reputations. You want us to risk our lives for the gospel. And we thank you so much for giving us the faith that we need to get through that risk. God, we know that um, you could very easily have a plan that does not include us. We thank you for including us in that plan, God. And I pray that this morning, that if anyone is here this morning that does not know you, is not following after you, that you would convict them, God. But in the conviction, they'd be brought to you and they would understand your grace, God. They would see you not as just a harsh, judgmental God. They would see you as a gracious, loving God because that is what you are. God, I pray that um, anyone here this morning that is, is, is a Christian but is not walking with you, I also pray, God, that you would convict them as well and help them to, to see you as a God of judgment. I see you as a God who, who will judge eventually if they keep walking down the path they're walking down. God, I pray that you'd bring them back to yourself. And by doing that, they'd want to bring other people with them uh, to the cross and to Jesus Christ as Savior. We thank you so much for that gospel, Lord. We pray that it would be our our passion this year as we step into our schools. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. We love you guys and uh, we're praying for you. We are having some UMHB uh, teams coming in here. So try to clear out as soon as you can. They're having lunch today. So.